This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All things covered, listeners and viewers. Man, Minnesota Viking fans, stand up. You guys have been rocking with us year in and year out, week in and week out. I say year in and year out. We actually made our one-year anniversary a few months ago. But, you know, speaking things into existence, right? Manifesting and allowed to happen. But Viking fans, they always, they're always rocking with us. And, you know, got number seven rocking with, behind me, Pat Peterson, playing for the Vikings. But, man, we got a treat for you guys today. Of course, we've always tapped into the his, history of the Vikings organization. You know, we've had Chris Carter on. We've had Jared Allen on. In today's episode, we got another Minnesota Viking legend joining me here. All things covered. Pat P. Bryant McFadden, standout linebacker from the University of Iowa. Big Ten stand up. He terrorized Big Ten offensively, running backs, quarterbacks. Anybody he put that Rydell on, they felt the pain. Because of his success at Iowa, he became a first-round selection by the Minnesota Vikings in 2006. A two-time Pro Bowler. Let's keep it real, guys. He should have been a four, five, six-time Pro Bowler. But we know sometimes the Pro Bowler could be a celebrity-type contest, but he only made two. That's an issue. No other than Minnesota Viking, Iowa Hawkeye legend. Chad Greenway joining us here. All things covered. Chad, how you doing? First and foremost, Chad, let's keep it real. I mean, for the people that's watching us on YouTube, you're you're not at home. You're not in your bedroom. You're not in your man cave. You're actually in the car. Now, viewers, he's not driving. So we're doing this the right way. Safety protocols will be utilized in this taping of this show. But Chad, fill us in on, on, on your scenery right now and what you got going on. Yeah, well, first of all, that's a great intro. I appreciate that. And uh, I love the shout out for the four or five Pro Bowls because that's, you know, that's true. No question. Um, but, but uh, yeah, so we're on the road. Obviously, Thanksgiving uh, holiday tomorrow. Um, I got the crew back here. They're, uh, they're all you know, distracted with some sort of technology. I got the boss driving here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I apologize for the, uh, I apologize for the, the bright lights and, and maybe the bad audio, but um, we're going to, we're going to find a way uh, as we always do. And, and I just really appreciate uh, the time to be on, man. It's, uh, this be fun. Uh, no question. This is what I call reality podcasting at its best. <laughs> We're not hitting you yes. with any filters. This is the real of the real of the real. And we appreciate uh, you joining us as well. Uh, I got drafted a year before you, but uh, when you when you became uh, a part of the Minnesota Vikings, I'm, I'm a football guy. Uh, number one, you was a you was a hell raiser at Iowa. But get, instantly when you got into the league, man, and, and, and when you got healthy, man, you definitely was a big time playmaker. So this is a tribute. Me and Chad was kind of shooting the breeze before we actually started recording. And uh, he was talking about LSU, playing LSU one time in the Capital One Bowl. And I was just like, is that the Hail Mary game? He was like, yes, that's the catch. That's the yes. catch. Yeah. 
Yeah, so when it comes to when it comes to football history, there's not a lot that can't they they can run with me when it comes to who did this or what team played where or what happened this. I I can go with the best of them, Chad. But I rock with you, man. I, I appreciate your career collegially and professionally. It's an honor for you to be on the show show with us right now. So let's let's go back. Let's take it back, right? Let's go back to the beginning. You grew yep. up in South Dakota, right? South Dakota. Uh, who yeah. was your NFL team? What was your favorite team growing up as a child? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, South Dakota is kind of a kind of a free agent when it comes to NFL teams and college teams. Because I, I was actually going to tell you when we were chatting before the the podcast started, I was a big FSU fan growing up. No, uh, I don't know. I don't know why, but um, it might have something to do with Peter Warwick. Because you know, Peter who, Warwick. Who was, was your favorite he, FSU player? Oh, oh, Warwick for sure. Okay, not even right. a question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, I was because you know growing up, I was a quarterback. I returned kicks, uh, played safety. Um, so just love FSU. I had the I had that old starter jacket with the big pocket in front. Yes, um, sir. FSU colors, and uh, which was different because where I grew up, a lot of a lot of Cornhusker fans. You know, in the '90s, mm-hmm. um, you know, some Iowa fans, but uh, big time FSU fans. So then I, uh, growing up, I also played nine man football, which is a little you know very unique, small, super small town, and um, so playing nine man ball, which of course we didn't think was anything different. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, I get to Iowa and realize everybody else plays with 11 guys, uh, instead of yeah. nine, but that was, that was interesting. Um, uh, but as far as growing up, I was, I was a big 49ers fan. That was, you know, Joe Montana, Steve Young, I was a quarterback. So we yeah. followed the quarterbacks. Um, and then I was a huge Ronnie Lott fan, but I heard the story about the finger and then watching him make contact and watching him just hit and run through guys. Um, you know, from a kid growing up in a super small town and a, and not necessarily a hotbed of a state of football. Uh, like South Dakota is, it was, uh, you had to dream big, you know, you had to figure mm-hmm. out a way to, to put yourself in that position someday. And so pretty, pretty amazing. I was able to make it. Wow. I'm, I'm so surprised you're in the Florida state <laughs> yeah, right. story, like, man. Cause boy, if, ah, oh, oh, man, Char- if you- I mean, Charlie, Charlie Ward though. I mean, those guys that grown oh, up, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, so, it was so fun to watch. And the thing is they were so good. So they were always on TV and we only had a always, few channels. Yes. No yeah, question. So we only had a few. We only had a few channels, and and, yeah. that, and they were always on. So. They were always so. on ABC at three thirty. Yep, always with, with, with Jack Aru. You, you got Keith Jackson. Oh uh, yeah. So yeah, the, chop going. When, when you started playing football, um, you mentioned nine man football. At any point in your high school career, did you was Florida State still a team that you loved, and would you have mind playing for them? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would have been you know. Obviously, when I grew up in a small town like that in, in a state that nobody recruits, it was not yeah. easy to get found. So mm-hmm. um, I got I just had the one scholarship offer to Iowa. That was it. So I didn't really have much. Uh, I didn't really get to go shop around for my my scholarship opportunities like a lot of other yeah. guys did. Uh, so I took what came and, and that was Iowa, which, you know, looking back, I mean, just lucky that that was a school that came after me because they they realized that I wasn't going to be a safety real quick. Um, I played I played quarterback for about six minutes. And then they moved me like, nope, you're going to safety. And then, uh, and then I, I started lifting weights and and uh, getting bigger. And they're like, okay, he's getting faster, um, he's he's getting bigger. Uh, let's move him to linebacker. And that was a great transition. So I'd love to play at Florida State, but that wasn't reality at that time. Oh, well, hey, I know I, I probably would have. We would probably been together maybe a year or so because I was drafted one year before yep. you. So, oh, boy, it's been, it's been nasty. Oh, no question. No question. But it all worked out well for you. Uh, you made the most of your opportunities and getting drafted. You were a part of a nice linebacker class. I mean, names that uh, will ring a bell to you and our listeners and our viewers. A.J. Hawk was in that class. Ernie Sims, 
Bobby Carpenter, uh, D'Amico Ryans, uh, AJ Hawk, uh, Ernie Sims went before AJ went to SC. AJ was Ohio State. Ohio, AJ State. Was Ohio State. Oh, and Carpenter yep. was Ohio State as well. D'Amico was Alabama. Uh, yep. Throughout your professional career, did you monitor those guys throughout your career? Because you know how it is when you get drafted, especially when guys <laughs> get drafted in the same round with you playing the same position, you always kind of try to see what they're doing. Uh, did you monitor always. their career uh, throughout your professional uh, career? Always, yeah. I mean, uh, Rocky McIntosh was another guy that was ranking with the Redskins. He was like, I think, yeah, top from Miami. Pick. From Miami. Yeah. Yep. So you had a, a bunch of backers picking that top six and all kind of the same style. So, I mean, you, um, I got, I got fortunate because I got, I got drafted to a scheme that really fit my ability. You know, we were playing camp, we were playing Tampa too. We were doing a lot of coverage stuff um, that, I, that I was used to doing in, in college. Oh, we had a, we had a fight. We had a fight. First, <laughs> first fight, first fight of the podcast here. Um, but, but, but you naturally, you naturally do kind of, how's AJ doing over there? You know, he, he's got my money, right? He was a fifth overall pick. I want to see what he's doing with my money over there or, yeah. or Ernie. Cause Ernie was in the top. Ernie, I think went, went number he, nine. He went six. Oh, he went nine. He, he went nine. It's, I think he, I think he went nine. And then, mm-hmm. uh, and then Ernie, I never really, you know, I, w- I didn't really feel bad because Ernie had to deal with some really bad losing seasons, but man, mm-hmm. Ernie could play, man. He was so yeah. athletic. Um, so I think those guys had great careers. So you kind of look at those guys and say, all right, they deserved it. You know, they, they were drafted where they're supposed to. And I got lucky, lucky because I got drafted in the perfect situation where I could stay for 11 years and, and uh, you know, be in one spot, raise a family and just so fortunate. So I think you look back and say, you're always, you're always wondering what everybody else is doing, but at the yeah. same time, always trying to take care of your own business. And when you got drafted in the first round uh, by the Minnesota Vikings, everyone was, you know, hyped about the draft pick. Uh, the organization was, I'm sure you were hyped as well, but you injured, oh, yeah. your AC, you tore your ACL in the very first preseason game. Uh, yep. How did you handle that adversity as a young player? Yeah, it was, it was interesting because obviously I played, we play the Gophers every year. So a lot of Gopher fans that were Viking fans knew, knew about me. Right. So they had watched me play mm-hmm. for four years. Um, just got, you know, we went four and all against the Gophers, got to throw that in there real quick. Cause there's a little jab. Um, but uh, you know, when, so when I came up here, people were, I think people were excited because they needed backer depth. EJ Henderson had been drafted a few years before, but, but from, EJ Maryland. Had really, from Maryland, yep. Stud yep. and he, but he really hadn't taken off, uh, the way I think they thought, you know, mm-hmm. he ended up having a really nice career, but uh, at that point he was kind of, they were trying to find a position for him. Um, and when they drafted me, they were going to move him into inside and have him play Mike, which is where he should have been. Yep. Um, but so I, I, I blew my knee out my first, um, first preseason game and, and I had blown my other knee out in college. So I had done the ACL before I'd gone mm-hmm. through that process. I had rehabbed and came back and, and obviously had to, was able to finish my, my college career in a good spot. So I thought, yeah. okay, I can do this again. Um, but I can remember sitting there with my wife at the time, just like, what happens now? Like, is this contract guaranteed? Like, what is the money? Like, what, what does it mean now? Do I think, you know, you don't understand how the, you get drafted, you get the contract, you get that signed, but you don't really know what all that means and the, yeah. and all the rules around it at that point, you know, as you age through your NFL career, you start to understand how that operates and you get educated on it. But at that time you're scared, like you're scared of like, okay, is this one injury going to knock my, you know, my chance of realizing my dream and, and not be able to come back and, and play and be the same player. You have all those questions. Yeah. Um, so I think that injury, you know, obviously at that time you were on IR and you're done for the year, you'd have this exemption and, uh, for the eight week and not that ACL when you came back in eight weeks anyways, but you had a whole year to sit. So for me, it was, it was more of a mental struggle than a physical mm-hmm. struggle. You had the, you had the physical piece of rehabbing and coming back and trying to get back to your, yourself. But um, the mental piece of just grinding through that year, knowing you're not out there playing, um, knowing, you know, the, the, the unknowns of what's going to happen next was tough, but um, had a great training staff, the same training staff that's with the Vikings still to this day. 
uh, that, that double P is probably working with right now. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and those guys are great. So, um, they, they, uh, helped me out, got me back and, and away we go I played 10 more years after that. So it worked yeah. out. And I totally forgot, Chad, you played with one of my high school teammates Who's on that? the defensive side, Erasmus James. Oh yeah. Erasmus, man. Yeah. yeah. He, so he had, he had gotten drafted the year before. Yep. Um, in the first round from and, Wisconsin. Exactly. And, and I came in and, and obviously I played against Erasmus, uh, in college. In so 10. I knew about him and yeah. So he was a stud and, and was really excited about his career and where that was going to go. But, um, you know, I met, I met Erasmus early and kind of was going through his, his, he had his own injury struggles and, and he had to deal with some stuff too. And, um, you know, it just goes to show you that being drafted to the right place. I think if Erasmus goes to another organization, yeah. um, I, I think he has more success or has more NFL success, I should say, than, than he ended up having, but uh, good dude. Yeah. Funny story about Erasmus. Erasmus wasn't a football player. Uh, he was from the islands and uh, down oh, in yeah. South Florida, you know, we're always trying to recruit kids, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. neighboring schools or whatever the case may be. But I saw Erasmus in the, in the hallway and he was always playing basketball. I'm like, Erasmus, this is get ready for spring football in South Florida, which just happens around May. I'm like, man, have you ever played football? He's like, oh, football. He thought I was talking about soccer. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. man, American football. He should come out. So he's like, man, I don't know. I'm like, Rasmus, you like six, four, six, five, you're 240. You're not going to grow to be six, eight, six, nine, because you don't have any handles. So if you're not going to be six, eight, six, nine, your basketball hopes are not going to it's be over. likely. You know what I mean? No, so it's over. It's over. <laughs> yes. Yep. Right. So he came out the very first day we we had our pads. We got our pads. He didn't know where your thigh pads and your knee pads went. <laughs> He didn't know where the thigh pads and knee pads went. He's like, yo, where's this go? I'm like, it goes in your pants. That's how unfamiliar he was of the, of the game of football. But long wow. story short, by the end of the spring, Chad, because I was already kind of known uh, in the county, I was getting scouts coming to watch me practice. By the end of spring, he had like six offers by wow. the end of spring. So oh, his first time playing was, yes, was spring football. And then going into the season, which was fall, uh, getting ready for fall, I mean, his offers improved about 14. It's not even fair though. You got, I mean, that South Florida football is a different animal, man. I mean, yeah, it is, it is different down there. And then we don't have anything like, we don't have spring ball up North. We have the, we have the bad weather, you know, we don't yeah. have that going on. So man, you guys got all the advantages, but you mentioned something that's interesting is uh, Erasmus where he's from. I don't know what that genetic pool is in, in the Caribbean islands, but mm -hmm. uh, it is, it is elite. It is elite. Everybody's got like long arms and no they got question. the athletic build and they can all run and jump. And it's like, what is going on? I want some of that. No question. No question. But it was a funny story. He didn't like football and play football. And I told Rasmus when he got because he was the Big Ten defensive player of the year. I think yep. his last year in the Big Ten. Go first round. I'm like, OK, I'm not saying you owe me a little percentage, but I'm kind of saying like <laughs> <laughs> a nice dinner or something because you didn't even yeah, want to play a, football. Uh, but I was able to a convince steak, him. That's a steak dinner for sure, man. You oh, got to yeah, get something a, out of that. Big time steak. I'm talking about Wagyu. I'm talking about Kobe-like style. Big time steak. Big time steak. But it all worked out well for him. And, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, big time things, your first career uh, came off of former Viking Dante Culpepper. And your first pick six came off Eli Manning. Uh, what interception is the most memorable one for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I – uh... There's a, there's a lot of good ones. Eli, that was a fun year because they ended up they ended up on one win Super Bowl that year. At the end mm -hmm. of the year in 07, man, they were they were garbage. Um, and how they won the Super Bowl, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, they figured it out, man. Eli got hot. Yeah. Uh, but I I picked off Philip Rivers in 20, I think it was 2015, and that was my longest that was my longest pick six of 91 yards, and that was. 
that was sweet because at that point in my career, right, my ninth or tenth year, and uh, and you know you're the you're the grandpa of the, of the locker room, you're the yeah. you're the old man, and and everybody everybody wanted me to score that touchdown. You get to see the sideline go crazy, and you look at the all twenty two, and you can see the they gave me a, a gravy train all the way to the sideline. There's nobody going to touch me because they wanted grandpa to get a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I made it. It was fun. Yeah. Do you remember that defensive call? Oh, it was Zim. So it's probably just like, it was probably, we were probably in 42 defense nickel because it was end of a game. Mm-hmm. So they're in a hurry up. Man, I don't know that. It was the base coverage though. It was just the base coverage. Yeah. And he was, he was in your was, sub package. It was, it was so, yeah, we were in a sub package. We had five DBs in the field and, yep. and uh, two backers. And it, but it, uh, but it got tipped to the line of scrimmage, and I caught it kind of with one hand, like kind of over my shoulder, and then just got up and went. Man, I had the had the gravy train all the way to the, the end zone. They got yes, my sir. slow butt to the got my slow butt to the end zone, so it worked out. There's that, nothing better than having a cavalry guide you uh-huh. to the end zone, right? <laughs> nothing better. Yeah, nothing and, better. You, and you and you know how it is in two minutes when you're gassed, right yeah. at the end of the game. <sighs> And and Philip, you know, we're up like I don't know, we're up like thirteen or something. So he's just diming them up, and we're giving them, you know, we're giving them all these yards. So you're gas, getting back to the mm-hmm. huddle and making calls, and then you catch this thing. You like, you look up at ninety-one yards, like, oh my lord, yeah. um, we had to find a way to get there, though. No question, no question. One of your former teammates was just recently released, and that's Adrian Peterson. Was released by the Tennessee yeah. Titans, which may mark the end of his outstanding NFL career. Uh, what was the excitement around the the franchise when you guys drafted AP and with him turning into being one of the best Minnesota Vikings players of all time? Yeah, you know, it's uh, you know how it is when you go to practice, right? You have a new draft pick or a new free agent, and and uh, say it's a quarterback, and he makes that first throw. You're like, oh, okay, like this guy's got something, or mm-hmm. or maybe he makes a throw, and maybe he makes the throw, and you're like, oh, I don't know, man, I don't know. You got to be better than that. Well, as soon as Adrian came in and he hit the gas for the first time, he turned that corner. Yeah. You're like, I've never seen something like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, the only other guy that came close was Percy. Percy had that same kind of burst and explosiveness. Yeah. Um, but. But Adrian, you know, you look back at your career, right? And say how many how many teammates you get to have that you were teammate for ten years. So yeah. I have, I got two of them. I got Adrian and Brian Robinson. Uh, both mm-hmm. had unbelievable careers. B. Rob from University was, of Texas, right? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, he was. He's a he's a great player, character man, good locker room guy, the good yeah. you know, good dude all the way around. Um, but but Adrian's just unique. I mean, he was just the way he operated. You know, he could be walking by a, a pull up bar and uh, hey P, I bet you can't do 30 and he'd do like just cold like he's just a, um you touch him it's like it's just like I'm like <laughs> that's not that's not what but uh that's not what my body's like but um the fun fact about Adrian is uh so my my uh fifth grader who's back here um mm-hmm. her her and Adrian's daughter Ariana play basketball together and I coach them so I, I coach oh, okay. AP's daughter along with my daughter um and and, and Ari is just a, she's a beast as well, just like Adrian was. So uh, kind of cool to have a teammate for that long. Now coaches kid in, in hoops. No question. Um, just, uh, just a fun, you know, fun guy to have spent your NFL career with and watch him just, you know, become a famer. So, you know, he feels like he's got gas by tank and as if he does. So if he yeah. keeps playing, he'll, he'll be successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he definitely will be in the hall when it's all said and done. Um, and let's see exactly what happens. Another fun guy you played with, and we had him on our show also a few months ago, uh, Jared Allen. Uh, he told us about yes. the anticipation of, uh, you know, getting Brett Favre 
to the Minnesota Vikings and when he arrived and how it kind of changed the dynamics of the program there. Uh, what do you remember about Brett Favre and his addition to the Minnesota Vikings? Man, that's that's a, I was sitting in the lunchroom in the cafeteria at Winter Park and uh, Jared, myself, we're all sitting there and all of a sudden you, you see the on, on TV, it was like a, I hate to I hate to make this um, comparison, but it was like the it was like OJ and the Bronco, right? I mean, there's a heli, there's a helicopter over the top of this SUV, mm-hmm. and it's Coach Childress and Brett Favre driving in, and the helicopter like the you know KSTP news chopper is like following this this truck all yeah. the way to Winter Park, and then we're sitting there, and there's a window that kind of looks out to the parking lot, and um, and here comes the SUV, and there's a helicopter, and like they come into practice, and here he is, and um, you know you get to play with unique guys like that. that are just first ballot hall of famers that have just mm-hmm. this arm talent. That was unbelievable. Um, had a chance to play against Brett and then play with Brett. Um, what he brought to a locker room was unique. Uh, the ability to be at that level of fame and ability, but still be able to kind of be one of the guys and just be a, just a normal person uh, was pretty unique. Uh, some of the throws, I, I had never been around somebody where you could hear him make a throw, like mm-hmm. the ball whistled when he threw it because he mm-hmm. threw it with such velocity and, I can remember the, the receivers having to adjust, you know, fingers all bent out of shape and just getting hurt. And that first couple of weeks of just adjustment was amazing for the receivers, but it was crazy, man. And he comes in and we had this super talented team and all mm-hmm. we needed was that quarterback. He came in at 09. Special. You know, we didn't get a chance, but um, it was a special team. Yeah, and of course, adding Brett Favre and the success they had, the offense got a lot of the attention. But tell us about how good and underrated uh, that defense was. I mean, you had Pat Williams, Kevin Williams, Jared Allen, yourself, Ray Edwards, Antoine Winfield, Cedric Griffin, just to name a few. But talk about yeah. how special that unit was. They were unbelievable. I mean, the side we were playing, we needed a, a really good pass rush in our front four. We got that all the time. We were great against the against the run. Against the run absolutely elite I thought it like 58 yards a game or something crazy average mm-hmm. uh, at the time and um and then you play with tweez antoine winfield was pound for pound to me one of the best players in, in nfl history yeah. um just an absolute stud so we had a lot of dudes that were really good players and and uh it was fun to be a part of it but and play a smaller role with that offense yeah yeah you guys played complimentary football uh no yep. question and then of course it ended in new orleans but if you guys were able to take care of your business against the saints you know how 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 would you like the chance to play against Peyton Manning? You think based on what you guys did well defensively, and you talked about some of the special things you did offensively. You know how would that game have played out? I don't. I don't see there's any way that we lose that game. I mean, we went to New Orleans on the road in that environment, which you know how hard it is, and mm-hmm. turn the ball over, turn the ball over six times, and still took them to overtime. I mean, that's how good yes. we were. People and, forget you know, about that. People forget about that element of the game. You guys played. Turnover wise was sloppy, but you still yep. Yep. had a shot to win that ball game. If you take away yeah. one of those turnovers and just have five, yeah, I mean, you look at you look at the the last you know the last pick that Brett threw. Obviously, threw across his body. You know, mm-hmm. makes that bad mistake, and that was the sixth turnover. I think fifth or sixth. I, I may be wrong on that. It's five or six. Um, but uh, if you don't make that, we're kicking a field goal and we're going to play Peyton. And I like our chances. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. You can't you can't put money on your own games. But, man, I'd have bet all, all my chips on us. <laughs> we were, but, you know, the only thing that could have slowed us down was ourselves. And that was what happened yeah. in New Orleans. And, and we still found a way to make it competitive and get into overtime. And, and they had one drive that they got the field goal. And, that's, and then the next year they changed the rule where you had to score a touchdown yes. in the first drive of overtime. So 
They one year too the rule. late. One year too one, late. Yeah, it's it's never fun when you play in the game that they change the rule with. He'd rather yeah. play the next year, <laughs> but um, yes. it it is what it is. I mean, uh, you know how it is. I, I never got a chance to win a Super Bowl, but if I look back, you know how this conversation started. You play nine man football in South Dakota. Mm-hmm. You get one scholarship. You get one scholarship and go to Iowa. You you do what you do there and get drafted in the first round and play in the NFC Championship game. You could be like, is it is that really a failure? Right. I mean, no, you look at man. the success of your career. You'd be like, man, I don't care how that game went or if you lose. That's an impressive career. And I'm just you know so proud to have done it with the, with good people and do it. And most importantly, do it my own way, which is which is most important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I mean, you exceeded the expectations. Like coming from nine man football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to being a first round selection, having an outstanding career pro bowler, you know, played in big time ball games and was a contributor. It wasn't like you were just, you know, a situational like player. No, you was a big time right. contributor. So no question. There's nothing failed about your career. But I got a, I got a, a big time question for you, though. What's yeah. a tougher playoff loss? Saints in 09, Seahawks in 15. Oh, man. Um, those are, those both cut so deep in Minnesota football lore. I mean, you, you look at the 98 miss kick, uh, mm-hmm. with that team, that offensive team that the Vikings had 98. I mean, I know you being a football guy, you appreciate that team because that team was just unbelievable Loaded. talent. So Loaded. those, those three, those three losses are probably, you know, the ones that cut the deepest other than the Super Bowl losses, the Vikings have sustained in the seventies. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say they're, they're different because I, you know, I, uh, you know, people, people get on kickers all the time in the league, right? Cause it's so easy. You got one job, you gotta be the puncher, you gotta be the kicker, you gotta be the snapper, yep. but, but people don't understand the work like Blair Walsh puts in. Right. And, and nobody wants to make that kick more than Blair Walsh, like on the mm-hmm. planet. So, but the reality is it's, it's, uh, I, I felt bad for, but we were, and I like kind of have the empathy towards, towards Blair in that situation. Cause man, I don't want to be that situation. I don't have that. I don't have that mindset to be the kicker. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say, I would say, Oh, nine was much bigger because the scale was bigger and it was we were One game away. One game, um, but one game. So that's, that's probably the harder loss though. I agree with you. You one game away. You playing the championship ball game in Miami. And, yep. and just knowing that you're one game away of what five minutes away. I think I agree with you, even though I didn't participate in it. Anytime you have a tough loss, one game away from championship, I think that's probably the the, the, the go to. Uh, but uh, yeah. you, know, you know what? And I, I can't wait to hear what the fans say because you you talked about ninety eight. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talked about ninety eight. Of course, oh nine and fifteen. Yep. I'm pretty sure you might get a, a, a the consensus go with ninety eight. Consensus. Some people might say fifteen because that fifteen yep. team was loaded. Yeah, yes. yeah, definitely yeah. I think, loaded. I think when I came up here though, like in 06, uh Everybody talked about the 98 team because because yeah. I would you know in South Dakota we got every Vikings game so mm-hmm. I watched every game and uh, you look at the 98 team man I mean that thing that thing was signed sealed and delivered that's a W and mm-hmm. uh, just if you know Falcons come up and get a win it's just crazy I feel like you look back at that game I watched that game back in NFL films man yeah. the Vikings did it to themselves they they they, they pulled the they pulled the dogs off offensively in the second half and like you have all those guys man just throw the ball up let Randy go get it. Yeah, yeah. It keeps going until the game is over. Never get exactly. complacent or get relaxed. So uh, you live and you learn. This might be uh, – this is an easier one for you. This is not as tough as the playoff loss. Uh, what made you such a fan favorite in Minnesota? Uh, I think I think my I think my background, you know, growing up in, in the upper Midwest in South Dakota, going to Iowa. Uh, the second thing was playing my whole career here. Obviously, people, people love the loyalty 
people love that factor of, of being, being able to one, one organization your whole career. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, being a, a farming background in such a rural area, a lot of Midwest values, I think people love that. So I think there's a combination of reasons. Um, but the biggest thing was, is when we had, my wife and I started our foundation in 2008. Um, I think when you, when you engage with the community, like we did throughout our whole career, yeah. Yeah. people, people love that you're giving back to the community and not just a, an athlete or a football player, but um, you're engaging the community in different ways. You're helping kids, you're helping hospitals. Um, and we continue to do that to this day. So our foundation has been a massive part of our life. Um, and now our goal is to pass it on to our children, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to show them the value of community service and community work and selflessness. And, uh, so I think that was also a big part of kind of what made my brand as popular as it was. Yeah. So who would you say holds the title as the biggest fan favorite right now for the current uh, group of guys on the Vikings? Oh, man, I, I know I can't say Kirk because Kirk's like this polarizing dude. I love Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah. He's playing lights out. Yes, he lights is. Out before, but yes, but he for is. whatever reason, even if he puts up these crazy numbers and gets our team in a chance, you know, in, in, in a, the best chance to win every game, he can't win these fans over. I don't I don't get it. Um, I would say Harrison Smith is real high um, because the way he goes about his business. I think Eric Kendricks is is beloved by his with the, the passion he plays with and his playmaking ability. Um, but as far as local guys, I think you know Thielen's massive. Um, but I think of anybody that I mentioned, I think JJ's probably get the number one right now because I think they're seeing a reincarnation fans of Randy, right? Mm-hmm. A young Randy Moss with the plays he's making and especially now that Kirk's believing it a little bit more and throwing balls up and let, uh, let Justin go get it. Um, I think he's going to be the guy you look at the next three three years is going to be an absolute superstar, even bigger than he already is. No question. Uh, I'm right there with you. And also, it helps with him playing offense and always having the ball in his hands and score a touchdown. Yes. And, and and the greedy. I'm pretty sure your, your children probably know a little bit about the gritty now. You know, but he got everybody. I, I know the gritty, man. What do you mean? Oh, what do I mean kids? Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? So those things resonate when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, yeah. being popular, uh, you know, on the football field and off the football field. So I'm right there with you. You're talking about Kirk Cousins. I call him Captain Kirk. When he put that cape on and he started dropping yeah. them dimes, that's when he's Captain Kirk. You know what I mean? Uh, but yes, it seems like throughout his professional career, especially in Minnesota, uh, he hasn't really got the respect nationally that he's deserving of getting. And I told Pat P this. I said, I believe if Minnesota had a better record based on his numbers, Kirk Cousins' numbers, his name would be sprinkled in the MVP, MVP conversation because they're winning and he's doing great and throwing the football. But, you know, you're trying to uh, become a better team so he's not sprinkled in the conversation MVP-wise. But still, people still res- disrespect him. Locally, you know, with you being a local guy, how is the respect for Kirk Cousins locally? Yeah, you know, I think if we keep winning, I think he's going to, I think he can play himself back into that MVP conversation. I mean, really, you look across the league and, and who's dominating. Obviously, uh, Jonathan, is it Jonathan Taylor, right? In, in the Indy. Um, Indy, yeah, Jonathan blowing, Taylor. Yeah, he's, he's, I don't know, he's got to be leading, I would think, right now. I mean, he's, I he's think been it, unbelievable. I think they may give it to Tom Brady and then Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. You know, it's so a quarterback maybe award. That, yeah, maybe that guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say, I think Kirk has a chance to if we continue to win because he's been playing lights out. So I hope he does. I hope he earn. I hope he gains that respect that he deserves. Um, but you look at the numbers he puts up, whether it's QBR, QBR whether it's um, touchdown interception ratio, the, the the stats that really matter. You know, not looking mm-hmm. at yards, but the stuff that really matters as far as taking care of the ball. How can you get your team in position in two minute drill to win? Uh, he's done that. Whether you know, yeah. but we shot ourselves in the foot with a fumble or with a missed kick or whatever. Oh. Right, it's been something that's popped up. 
Yes. And um, so, so Kirk kind of eats some of those losses when in reality, if you watch the game, it's not, it's not on him, but you know, no in, in, in the NFL, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it's not, it doesn't matter. It's if you're the quarterback, you got to find a way to win football games. Yes, Otherwise people do. aren't going to give you that love. Mm-hmm. So I think it is a straight toss up 50, 50 in, in Minnesota Viking fandom. Like as far as Kirk goes, like you find guys that, that absolutely, no matter what, aside from taking us to the Super Bowl, that would be the only thing that would be like, okay, we respect him now. But mm-hmm. like, that that win in New Orleans two years ago, like that didn't that didn't win people over. Although arguably, I don't know. There's a harder place to go play. The Saints team mm-hmm. was was favored was favored in the playoffs, especially in the playoffs. Yeah, those Cajuns go crazy down there. I mean, we all know that. So <laughs> so uh, I, I think that won me over with his ability to play in that type of game in that environment and and make those throws. Um, but people just want to see him do that more often. And, you know, if they get chances like that Green Bay, that drive in the, the last two minutes of Green Bay, like you're not going to find a more impressive drive than that. I agree. Um, so I agree. So it was fun. It was fun to see. It's fun to see a guy who's been there, done that, has the experience, and now is going to get his, you know, what he deserves. Yeah. And talking about, you know, another pair of guys who don't get the recognition that they should get, and you played with both, Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks. Uh, they deserve more recognition, in my opinion as a duo and, 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 and as individuals, but what makes them so good? Yeah, I think it's a little yin and yang, you know, Anthony's, Anthony's big, he's six four, two fifty. He can, he can rush. He's big physical guy. Eric's, you know, a little more diminutive, but he's a playmaker. He's an athlete. Um, I think what sets them apart together is they're so athletic. I mean, they, they can do anything you ask them to do on the football field. Um, but what's great with them as a tandem is, is the differences they have. You can do different things with them and be creative with them. And, and Zimmer's the guy to do it, obviously, in drawing up different pressures. Um, and I, I think Eric's got to be all pro this year. Um, again, I don't know how he isn't, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I, I love Bobby Wagner um, to death. He's a great player. But, man, I mean, I, I think you're hard-pressed to find a middle linebacker who's making more plays than Eric right now. I'm right there with you. Uh, we had an opportunity to do our podcast from uh, Vikings training camp. Uh, and uh, matter of fact, next time we get another time, another opportunity to do it this year, you should come out and join us. It, it was, I'd really love cool. to, yeah. And we had opportunity to talk to uh, Eric, and I, that's the first thing I said, you know what I mean? Because I watched the game and, and I'm a fan of the game, of course, former player. But when I watched the game, I'm like, yo, some some people, there's a lot of guys that's doing numbers but not getting the same, you know, uh, notoriety that they should get. That's the first thing I said. He was like, similar to what yep. you said, like, yeah, you're right. I'm glad someone yep. finally realizes, but yeah, he's been balling and now Barr is healthy as well. Uh, yep. So this defense is really starting to really show what type of group they can be. So based on what you're seeing now, healthy guys are getting healthy. Will the Vikings make the playoffs this year? They are. They're going to make the playoffs, man. They're going to make a push right now. This is the time. I think that Packer game was the, was sort of the weight that's going to tilt it in our direction. I think they needed mm-hmm. to get a win, a, a win like that. Um, now I, I don't love that they go San Francisco, then Detroit. I would love to go right to Detroit to kind of build on that. Yes. You know, not that yes. De- not De- Detroit's been competing with teams. Right. But that's a, that's a game we have to go win and mm-hmm. very capable of winning. Um, cause this Niners team is, is good. Even though they're sitting there five and five as well, you have two teams that need the same thing, right? They're going to do anything they can. They're going to call the game as coaches to win. They're going to play the game to win. It's going to be aggressive. This is a, you know, as big as green Bay is, and you know, this from your playing days, if you win one, a big one, the next one becomes just bigger, right? And the next one becomes bigger. Yes, so you got to put, you got to put all the focus on that. Um, I know some news came out about Everson Griffin this morning. Um, and it's just like, can they stay focused on what they got to do to, to get this win? Cause you get this one, then you go to Detroit and get a, a game that's very attainable. Now you sit there seven to five and now you're going to be thick of the, of the playoff race. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
with Roger's toe, not knowing how that's going to be moving forward. Playoff team this year, I really do. But, you know, like anything, win one, the next one gets bigger. No question. I'm right there with you. So, uh, yeah, most importantly, everybody stay healthy and stay dialed in uh, because yep. this, the month of November and December, you know, either you're thriving or you're surviving. Moving time. Be, yeah, it no is. No question. Yep. You want to be thriving. You want to be thriving. So, of course, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. Uh, by the time this release, Thanksgiving will be here, basically. <laughs> and we're all in the spirit of giving around this time. We should be in the spirit of giving every time. It shouldn't just be a situational feeling. It should be it should be consistent, right? The spirit of giving. But tell us about your Lead the Way Foundation and what it does. Yeah, so when we uh, we first came up here, you know, and you probably had it with your careers, uh, you know, uh, Brad Matson, who ran the community service projects with the Vikings, he said, "What do you, you know? What interests you guys? You know, my wife and I." And at that time, we had we we had just lost both had lost grandmothers to breast cancer um, yep. when we were in kind of at our high school ages, and and so we went kind of that route and said we want to support. Um, you know, Zeta Tau Alpha and the breast cancer, you know, research and, and fund that. And, and then we had our first child in 2007. And uh, once we had Madden, we were like, okay, let's shift our focus of giving and let's create a foundation that, that helps kids and helps kids with childhood diseases and cancers. Um, and then in turn, go help hospitals. So now we're working with uh, 10, uh, 10 different hospitals uh, across the Midwest from Iowa, South Dakota, North Dakota, Wisconsin, Minnesota. Um, and we give them different resources. So we have Chad's Locker, which is a program we put in all these hospitals. Uh, we've done 10 now uh, that basically looks like an NFL size locker room or locker uh, kind of is wrapped in, you know, my Vikings guard with my helmet on. And you open this thing up and it's full of iPads and PlayStation portables and DSs and laptops and all these things that, that families can go check out um, and use when they're in during their hospital stay. Um, so we found a kind of creative way to really give parents and families um, access to something they may or may not have. Uh, yeah. And then we run a bunch of different other, uh, other different programs. Uh, we have a field of dreams program that we've done uh, where we bring 13 to 17 families in and do a, um, a sort of a, a staycation. So we've worked mm -hmm. with Mall of America and Nickelodeon universe to, to bring families in and, and put them up for, you know, everything's free, the gas money to get there, everything while they're there, we give them some spending money because these families deal with, you know, when you have a, a, a kid that sometimes has up to 30, 40 diseases, um, and they're dealing with every day. It's nonstop. Like the life we've lived in the NFL, the life we live day to day with healthy children, like we can't even imagine what that's like. So just to give them a weekend of like, listen, take the stress away that we can give them an opportunity. It just means the world to those families. And, and for Jenny and I, it's about building those relationships and meeting those folks. Um, and then this year, another big one we do is called the tender heart luncheon. Um, we had 350 moms there this year and all these moms have one thing in common. They have a child that has some sort of childhood disability. Mm -hmm. And, um, and some, some of these moms have lost their children. Um, some are going through it right now. And, uh, so when you, when you meet these folks, it really puts things in perspectives and gives you the reason why you do these things. So, um, we built just a great network of folks that have helped us. Um, yeah. and it's just fun to, it's fun to build these relationships with people. Um, cause you know, when you have kids like this could, that could be you tomorrow, no like it, you know, you know, disease and illness doesn't care how much money you have. And I think that's something that's really important to keep in the back of your mind. Wow. And, and for, you know, our listeners and viewers that are checking us out, if they would like to uh, gather more information about your foundation, where should they go? Yeah. So uh, we do, you know, obviously we're on all social media platforms, but you go to chadgreenway.org and that's where we, that's kind of the vehicle for our website. So we're doing, um, if we're signing up golf, you know, golf foursomes, if we're doing a new event, we need volunteers. Um, you know, we built, we built uh, three different playgrounds now, uh, two at hospitals and one at a hospital, a youth hospice center. 
Um, so we need a lot of volunteers to go out and kind of you know, do ribbon cuttings and, and help with construction and do different things. Um, so you can have to volunteer, you can have to give, you can do all those things at chadgreenway.org. So that's probably the easiest way to come get us. There you have it. Listeners and viewers, you want to learn more about Chad's awesome foundation, chadgreenway.org, Lead the Way Foundation, doing some tremendous things in the community uh, with children, with families. Lead the Way Foundation, chadgreenway.org is where you should go. Now, we're about to wrap it up. And normally we reserve this section of our show for the superlative part where we hit you with rapid fire questions, but you're such a okay. fan favorite. And we, when we found out you were coming on the show, we let some of our listeners and our viewers know, and they just started to pour in questions left and right from everywhere, <laughs> left and right from the Midwest, from the West, from the South, from the North, everywhere. So what we did was we picked out just a few Chad, because we don't want to be, be before you too long. And we know you're traveling, uh, but yep. we got a few questions, right. From a few fans. Uh, this first question comes from, at a train Aiken, what was the hardest part in transitioning from nine man football to college football? The complex defensive schemes, right? I mean, I came from a super simple system and all of a sudden you add, you add two more guys, the field's bigger as well. So we played on a smaller field. We played on an 80 by 40 field. So um, I would say the hardest thing was just defensive scheme, just yep. more things, more, more moving parts. Okay. Thank you, A-Train, for that question. The next question is coming from Tony, at Tony, hi, Faham. Hi, you, Farm at Tony, hi, you, Farm. Best Metrodome memory? Uh, Dallas Cowboys playoff win, 2009. It was okay. – and then and I would say one, that's 1A. One, one B is beating the Gophers my junior year in 05, 04 season. Mm -hmm. um, and third, and then 1C – would be mm -hmm. 2000, 2001, uh, sorry, 2002, we beat the Gophers to go 11 and one. And we took the goalposts out of the Metrodome, which isn't even possible because there's rotating doors. So I have three <laughs> very good memories of Metrodome. I, lo I, I love that play. That, I mean, the, it was Metrodome terrible, was but loud. it was great. It was terrible, but it was great at the same time. It was so loud. Yeah, it was super loud, man. We played there in 05. That was my first time ever playing. My first and only time playing there. When I tell you it was loud, whew. Oof. Crazy, yes, it different was. level, and, and you and you gave us three games, and two of those games include the Minnesota Gophers. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> the hate is still real, huh? It's still real. That's right. right well, it's you. funny because when you when you've been up here for fifteen years, you know, yeah. or, or however long it's been now, I'm a big Gopher fan, but not when they play Iowa. Of course, you gotta you gotta have your separation somewhere. Exactly, exactly. Thank you, Tony, for that question. Our next question is coming from Co at Cody Waller. What is the Vikings' bi biggest need in free agency or or the draft next year? Oh man, that's a that's a big question. Um, I, I'm a big offensive line guy, but I think this year I think we need to focus on defensive line. You know, you have Daniil who's going to be coming off injury. You want to you want to find somebody to go opposite Daniil that's going to be a mm -hmm. younger guy you can count on for a number of years. Obviously, Everson's came in and done a great job. We found kind of some patchwork ways to get to have some success, but we need to find um, sort of that guy that can let Daniil do his thing. And mm -hmm. when you have another guy on the other side, um, you know that that makes things a lot easier. That in the back end, you know, I, you know, I don't know how long uh, Patrick's going to play, but we got to look mm -hmm. at you always got to get younger in the back end because that you know those it is a premium right now to find guys that can cover. No question. No question. The final question is coming from at Louis Caro 13. When is Gray Duck selling on the West Coast? And Gray Duck <laughs> is Chad's vodka company. So he's trying to figure out what's up when it's going to sell yeah. on the West Coast. 
Yeah, we have Great Elk is our spirits brand. We launched three years ago. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Learned a lot. Um, we're in five states here in the Midwest. I, I don't know that Great Elk spirits will ever be on the West Coast, but mm-hmm. but one of our products will be in the next year. So uh, there'll be there's more coming on that. So we're we're launching uh, more of a national model with a couple different products in our spirits company that that is uh, it's going to be really fun. So um, I might have to hit you up on the side for this one too. I might have some opportunities okay. for you. Okay, no, it's no, no, no question. I'm right there with you. And, and tell us, so you know, your when when you decided to get into the, the the vodka game, what was what was your 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 thought process? What do you want to do? You know what I mean? Yes. What, what do you want consumers to feel when they're drinking your vodka? Yeah. So we we launched it with a very Minnesota centric concept. Gray Duck is you know the concept of Gray Duck is uh, is that everybody the kids growing up in Minnesota play the game Duck Duck Gray Duck rather than Duck Duck Goose, right? So it's just kind of this exactly right so i grew up in south dakota we could duck duck goose but yeah. my kids grew up in minnesota they played as kids they played duck duck gray duck when you play the kids games and minnesotans are very proud of this so we built the we built the company around that name and have focused it on, on minnesota so we buy our corn from minnesota farmers we distill it in benson minnesota which is west central minnesota um, kind of out in farm country and then we do the the final filtration bottling and packaging in burnsville so it's all it's all minnesota based um, it's all Minnesota guys that are buying the company. There's four of us uh, that are partners on it, um, and it's it's been a it's been a labor of love. It's been a lot of hard work, but it's been a lot of fun. And then now we've launched a seltzer about eight months ago as well. So we have a seltzer that goes behind it, um, mm-hmm. and we have some other products, some other products that we're we're working on right now uh, to get to market. So um, yeah, I, I would say I never ever saw myself in that business, but yeah. uh, it is it has been a lot of fun and, and a great learning curve, which I think is always fun to start you know keep learning new stuff. No question. No question. Thank you, Louis Caro, for that question. Uh, man, like I said, we had to cap it off with only four. I mean, they were pouring in left and right, Chad. You st- you're still a big-time fan favorite. I love uh, it. With the Good. Minnesota Vikings, man. So they're still rocking with you, man. And listen, listen, this was a pleasure. Uh, I think this is our first remote car podcast that we actually did. We did one with Dominique Wilkins, but he was stationary because he was the driver, so he pulled over. But this is the oh, first yeah. time we did one with actually the car in action. And like you said, your wife is driving and everyone is safe. All the protocols yep. are being are, are being utilized the right way. Seat belts <laughs> and car seats, definitely. But thank you for joining us here, man. Uh, standout linebacker from Iowa. Uh, first round selection by the Minnesota Vikings 2006. Two-time Pro Bowler, but we talked about that. They kind of uh, uh, limit you. You should have had three or four more. They're hating. Uh, yeah, They're hating. Yeah. Yep. yeah, hating big time, big time. But you know what? You still make the most, the most of your career, man. Coming from South Dakota, man. Chad Greenway joining us here. All things covered, man. I know this is going to be a big time fan favorite for the Minnesota Vikings, but they still love you dearly, Chad. Thank you for joining me. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.